he's a really, really good winemaker. There's no average about him. It's, it's someone who's doing this, who's doing something different than his father did. So, Nicolas, uh, welcome to Co-op. You know, I think that that was a really good introduction. Very good. <laughs> now, how, how do you make the wine? So, <laughs> Welcome to Another Bottle Down, a podcast and radio show about wine and the wine industry. My name is Mark Rayshap, and on today's show, we will hear from Nicolas Rossignol, who is fifth-generation wine grower in Volnay, Burgundy. We're going to learn a whole lot about Pinot Noir, various villages and vineyards in Burgundy, and get the latest updates of what's going on there. We'll kick it off with David Smith, who is the Texas agent broker for the Wasserman portfolio and Nico's Wines. I was originally introduced to Nicholas's Wines probably about 2002 or 2003. For me, that uh, it was something that I ended up buying at the time for my own cellar. And when I came back to the United States, I bought some bottles of his wine, that I, some of which I still have today, that were brought in by someone that I didn't work with because uh, I was introduced to the wines and I, I enjoyed them. I mean, partly it was because some of the first great wines that really made an influence on me were from the town of Volnay. Right. And, uh, and so I always tasted Volnay's and it had a special meaning to me. And when I tasted his, I had to have some. But I think what, at the time... Uh, to me, the way that he was introduced to me, the wines were introduced to me because it was at a restaurant with somebody else, was that there was this new generation of growers that were coming up in Burgundy today, people who at the time were in their 20s. And I was stubborn enough uh, to say these were great wines and they needed to be represented and uh, there were wonderful people yeah. uh, and families here in Burgundy. And uh, so anyway, I had the wines. And there was this new generation, whether it was Nico, whether it was Benjamin LaRue, uh, there were several of them. And this was given to me as an example of somebody who was really, really good, who they thought uh, was going to be one of the really excellent producers, number one, and someone who had some excellent vineyards. And the way, uh, I don't know if I've told you this, Nico, but the way that the person put it to me at that time was that basically there are a lot of Rossignols in Volnay. <laughs> and uh, a lot of the family at the time thought that this was the one of the next generation who they were going to give land to to make their wine because they thought he was something special as a winemaker. And I've also seen his style change uh, over the years. Yeah. And w- what's amazing to me is not just the quality of the wine, but if we look at the old school uh, where you have wines with higher acid, with much more prominent, harsher tannins, uh, that uh, you really needed to put down for a lot of to- time. What I see with Nico's wines is I see wines with, for me, probably a bad term, but incredible tannin management, that there's this <laughs> layers and softness to where we're drinking, we were drinking 14s the last two days right. across Texas, and they're singing. And uh, but at the same time, there's he's managed somehow to have wines that uh, they have balance that can age. Right. And but you don't have to age them for 10 or 15 years before you can drink them. And I mean, I, I just see him uh, as I taste the wines just thinking you know originally wow he's really there and then the next year he surprises me because if it's possible he's even more there right that uh 
that uh, there's an intensity, there's a vibrancy, there's a combination of fruit that someone who's used to organ wines can understand, but at the same time, you have wines that are not just distinctively French, but are very, very distinctive of the terroir, the soil, the conditions from which which they come. And if we talk about vineyards, Village doesn't taste like Caire, which doesn't taste like Cloang, which doesn't taste like Santino. You have something with clay, you have something with iron and rock, and you really see these big differences with sites that are 50, 100 yards away from each other. All right, let's hear now from Nicolas Rossignol, and we'll start off by having him give us an overview of the entire region of Burgundy. In fact, uh, Volney, you're in the center of Burgundy. I mean, you have more Côte de Nuit on the north, you have Côte Chalonnaise on the south, so we are really in the middle. <laughs> Volney and Pomar, uh, that's the only village where we, where we produce uh, only Pinot Noir, only red wine. There is no white wine. Right. In all other villages of Côte de Beaune, you, you can produce white and red. Volney is very specific with a red wine and like, like Pomar. Um, we used to say, yeah, Volnay is feminine and elegant wine, is really delicate, uh, is definitely more complex than this. Like you said, the Pinot Noir is a really sensitive grape, so you yeah. change one thing in the soil and everything's going to change. To understand Burgundy, well, the best is to come in Burgundy, definitely. <laughs> right. uh, to see uh, all these different colors of the soil, I mean... With just one meters, the, the color of the sun is not the same. Right. Because, okay, main, main part is clay and limestones, but we can have also iron, we can have some chalk, we can have f- few pieces of uh, other sediments or things like this. So what you must understand is the Pinot Noir is really sensitive about that, so that's why two, two vineyards next to could call Volnay, Premier Cru, both of them, but they haven't got the same name. And in fact, it's not going to be the same wine. Yeah. Uh, after that, yes, you've got the, the difference with the vintage. I mean, uh, each year we haven't got the same quantity of sun, of uh, rain, of uh, snow. Of, uh, so, of, of course, it impacts uh, the grapes, the vineyards, and, uh, and also the, um, the, the wine at the end. Right, right. And what we're going to talk about vintages at the end, uh, but because I'd like your impressions on that. But as, as far as, you know, you, you mentioned something that Volnay is not, as you know, we think of it as more delicate than pomard. Can you talk a little bit as to why that it's a little bit more complex? Because you know, I have a lot of listeners who are in the industry, and you know, we're always taught that Volnay is more delicate. What you know, is that something that folks need? There's pressure on winemakers to make a more delicate Volnay, yeah. No, no, I, okay. I just. I'm a, I'm a, one person said to me, I'm a terroirist. Terroirist means terroir, okay, from, from the soil. And uh, yes, uh, no, no, we have no pressure. I mean, I'm more focused. I'm lucky to have seven different Volnay Premier Cru, so it's seven different wines. Yeah. Of course, yes, Volnay in general is just one exposition. In fact, it's one hill down. The village is here. And in fact, you've got uh, one exposition. Like Pomar, you are in the down of the slope. There is two, it's a valley with two different hills. So okay. you have north exposition, south exposition, east exposition is really different. Okay. So most of the time, in fact, it's a little bit more um, um, uh, windy place, cold place. So you have thick skin. So most of the time, that's going to give you 
like Maurice Saint-Denis, like uh, Nuit Saint-Georges. Each time power. you've got the valet, in fact, you've got thick skin. So most of the time, it's going to give you more tannin wine, more strong wine. Uh, Volnay, like Chambord, but maybe uh, also because of this one exposition, it's a little bit warmer, thin skin, and uh, it gives to you more elegance. But to be honest, yes, I've got some, because of the soil, so I'm, we're going to forget the exposition right. about the soil. Uh, I've got some soil with more rocks, more limestones, more iron, and definitely give, give to you a, wine, a Volnay, even if it's Volnay, stronger. And some other with more clay gonna give you a softer wine. But it's same story in Pomar, and same story in Vendromanet, same story in, in Chambol Musigny. Okay, so and did did those vineyards? So you say that your vineyards have more of that composition. Um, did that come from your family, or was when you were searching out new vineyards uh, to acquire? Were you really looking for that that had a little bit more power? But in fact, yes, the vineyards come from the family. But you can imagine my grandfather starts. My father get married with uh, my mother, but she's uh, she's also. Uh, a family of producers, uh, a little bit more far. I mean, in, Vol in uh, Pernod Vergelès, Alos Corton, Savigny Le Bon. So we increased the, the 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 size of the of the estate, and I'm lucky. I could buy some vineyards not uh, not so far away. So yes, uh, we always try to find new new land. After that, I don't want growing to growing. I mean, I want I want uh, if. I have the possibility to buy some nice piece of land. Yes, I will do this. But I don't want buy to buy. And uh, I'm more focused. I'm more interested to focus on my job and focus on my terroir. Because to make good wine, you must know very well your, your vineyards. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's kind of, you mentioned that you have seven Volnay plots uh, that you keep uh, separate and make their own wines, mm. right? Um, but then you also have, you mentioned a few other villages a little bit further north. Can you tell uh, us a little bit about those? Mm. Uh, Savigny Le Bon and et cetera. Savigny, in fact, uh, the estate is uh, about... Uh, uh, 15 kilometers far from one point to other, so it's quite quite long, in fact. And there is a piece of land like Volnay. I was about to say that was close, but why? <laughs> <laughs> but for us, is is long. Yeah. Uh, Volnay is a, a more early early uh, terroir and very warm. Pernod Vergelès is the opposite. It's very late. It's a little bit colder place, so you need more time. So that's cool for me. I mean, for picking grapes, all yeah. this time, I have time. I mean, I can start in one place. It's not like if I've got a huge estate on one place. Right. Uh, and you have to whoa, really hurry uh, to pick the grapes when at the right, right moment. Yeah. yeah. So I can I can take time, and that's really important, take time. I mean, start on one point and pick the grapes at the right moment each time. Yeah. And uh, that's why it takes, most of the time, it takes us 10 to 12, uh, 12 days to pick uh, all, the, all the estate because, uh, of course, it's end picking and... Uh, we want to be uh, really um, uh, serious with the picking. I mean, no damage the grapes. We need perfect grapes to arrive to the winery to try to, to do the best. Yeah. How much... Um, well, let's continue on with... Um, so, so Savigny Le Bon, you said it's a little cooler. Is that because of uh, wind kind of uh, flowing through through that the, or curves around uh, where Bon is? Uh, or is it just that it's got a different exposition or uh, orientation? All, all the both. <laughs> both. Both of them, in fact. Uh, you've got, you, we call it uh, uh, the main fall 
and that's what creates Côte de Bonne, Côte de Nuit, okay? Then after you got some valley. And in fact, if you look uh, the the main fall, sometimes it's a little bit go more far in the, in the, the land. Yeah. And Pernambergelais, Savigny-les-Bonnes uh, is exactly this. I mean, it's uh, there are valley, uh, so it's a little bit more windy. Yeah. And it's also it's not uh, it's a little bit more far. I mean more deep in the in the land so of course it's uh you have less sun you have a so it's it's changed a little bit the the weather from volnay pomar more close to to the land in fact yeah well, you know i think that a lot of folks don't i, I would like to, to have you talk about the potential of sauvigny Levon and pernon vergeles because i think that they're they're not as well known as some of, of course, you know, Gervais Chambertin, Maurice Saint-Denis, or Volney and Pomard. But uh, you seem to be very drawn to them. Uh, do you think that, you know, what is the potential there? Do they have? Is there the potential to um, to create these, these these wines that that compete with the the more famous villages? Uh, yes and not. I mean, uh, on certain uh, vintage, yes, you can uh, you can be very close. There is a very good example: uh, La Loubise Le Roi, Madame Le Roi, yeah. make uh, an, an amazing Savigny Les Bonnes Narbonton, and you can uh, compare that to some many Grand Cru of Côte de Nuit, and it's amazing. Yeah. So, but after that, you must understand one thing: is you you can over extracted uh, your potential. I mean, you got a potential in the, in the, in the soil. But there is one maximum, and you can go over. If you go over, you you're going to be completely unbalanced. Yeah. So, to be honest, Savigny haven't got the same potential than the Volnay uh, in the in the terroir. So, yes, we're going to do the ma the maximum as we can. Right. The weather could help us on some vintage, like uh, the last vintage, 15. It's just amazing. Yeah. So, yes, uh, they are really close because of this maturity, because of the perfect condition of weather during all the season. Yeah. But at the end, with the aging, why Grand Cru is a Grand Cru, why Premier Cru is a Premier Cru? Just because of the aging. Because in 20 years, in 30 years or 40 years, when you're going to test it, when you drink it, it's still young. And why Bourgogne, uh, Bourgogne or just a village is a village uh, just because okay you can young very young with uh, two years bottles okay sometimes you compare you definitely more enjoy the cheaper price and the the, the lighter wine right it's more easy to understand but right. with the aging it's gonna make the difference you, you, so and and is that I mean it's incredible and I think it's hard for people in the United States to understand that those plots were, you know, when we take a look at Grand Cru versus Premier Cru, they were developed how many hundreds of years ago during the medieval, medieval times. But and and you who are a winemaker who's wanting to push the boundary, you're you're almost not able to push that that's already been discovered. Is that is that correct? Is that I, I, that's why uh, some people are asking me why do you, you don't put uh, Pinot Noir on the on the label? I said just because I'm not. It's not Pinot Noir. Right. I use the Pinot Noir to uh, to have the expression of the soil, and of course, of yeah, we, with the Bourgogne, we put Bourgogne Pinot Noir most of the time. But with the Volnay uh, Santenot, like uh, D David said, Santenot or Clodaison or Caire or Pomare Pinot, it's more than Pinot Noir. It's not Pinot Noir. Right. So I can understand the the, the tricky uh, for the, the for people. I mean, it's okay. It's Pinot Noir. It's Pinot Noir. The one is village. Other is a uh, Grand Cru. It's definitely not the same price, right. but it's Pinot Noir, both of them. Yes, but it's not Pinot Noir. Right. That's why it's not so much easy to understand, but we use the Pinot Noir to have the expression of the soil. And to be honest, yes, 
the real expression we saw this uh, yesterday okay 14 is a, a so great vintage you can definitely enjoy it right now because right. you have a beautiful maturity we keep nice freshness also because of a cold night so we keep you can age the wine definitely right yesterday we finished with a one uh, 2011 bon premier cru and everybody said to me wow that's the best wine <laughs> said yeah but it's uh, it was bon premier cru just next to uh, Pomar Premier Cru Epno 14, definitely higher potential. So I tell them, okay, you, you see the aging yeah. with the 11. And 11 is a lower potential vintage than uh, 14. Right. So the trouble is this. Sometimes you, we open too quickly the bottle. So you have to expect what it's going to be. Yeah. But after this, to be honest, yes. Uh, I prefer you open the bottle uh, too early than too late. <laughs> right, because then you can buy a second one. Absolutely. So, um, but but you you brought up a really good point there about something being on the border. How you know? So something being close proximity, where it's across the the border of a premier crew, and it's now just village bone. Um, it has greater potential, right? But the price might be more in line with a bone and not a premier crew. Is is, is that? Is, do you have fun with that? Do you enjoy putting uh, grapes that have higher potential in your um, in your village wine, or is it just something that you have to do? Or you could even like cite a Liudi, right? That's that, that people could geek out about and and understand. Oh, it's on the border, but it's just across. How do you think about that? I work I work exactly the same way my Bourgogne, my village and my premier cru. I mean, um I I um I work the same in the vineyards. After this, the difference will be happens in the in the winery uh, for the extraction, for the vinification and for the aging. But yeah. at the beginning, I am uh, really focused uh, exactly the same. After that, for me, uh, on the premier cru, I keep all of them separate because for me, single vineyards is one expression. What I want with the village, even if it's single vineyards, I never put the name just because for me, the village is uh, the rustic, in a good sense, or the basic expression of the appellation. Right. You're going to taste the Volnay, you're going to taste the Pomar, you're going to taste the Bone. Okay? So, you, you have, it's the first step to understand the appellation. Then... When you start to understand the difference between Volnay, Pomar, Bone, Pernod Vergelès, Alos Corton, then you go to the Premier Cru. And of course, in the Premier Cru, most of the time, we just forget. I mean, we not forget the appellation, but right. we're talking about the appellation. It's Directly, more important. Right. We're talking about Epno, yeah. talking about Rugien, and it's Pomar, Premier Cru. But we, we start to forget Pomar, Premier Cru, because that's, I told you, that's the next step when you go to the Premier Cru. You start talking about the lieu dit, about the, the terroir. And when you go to the Grand Cru, bah definitely there is not any more uh, appellation like Richebourg, like Clovougeau, uh, like Chambertin. You forget the, the village where it's produced. It's just this piece of land. Right. The, the name is more important. Yeah. So... Um well, well, I think that to, to cap that discussion off, I think that you make one of the best uh, village or regional wines, Bourgogne Rouge. And I think it's because maybe your understanding of, of, of that and, and also the winemaking. So how you mentioned a slight difference as far as winemaking. You keep the Premier Cru aside. Um, do you do anything different in terms of destemming or in terms of uh, you treat the wine? One of the things that drives me crazy about Burgundy is that everybody just says traditional winemaking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's true. And it's true. what does that mean, you know? <coughs> nothing. It, it, it just means nothing. It means I don't want to tell you. <laughs> well, it's not, not... 
I can. I, I'm gonna give you my recipe. No, it's not sure, not sure. not a problem. Uh, you're right. When uh, all the old generation, oh, it's a secret. I'm not gonna tell you because they didn't understand one thing. If, even if I've got the secret, I haven't got the same grapes. So I definitely, I'm not gonna make the same wine. Right. Now, to be honest, yeah, we the tradition is more in the vineyards. The way like we work the vineyards, like plowing, no no weeding. Um, have uh, the most leaf as we can have to get the, the best maturity of the grapes. Mm. Best maturity means balance also. Huh? Right. Uh, not over mature, not, uh, okay. And then I, I, in the past when I'm started making wine, okay, I was young and uh, powerful and uh, just uh, finished my study. So I've got plenty of techniques in my head. Right. So right. I use many, many, many techniques. But at one moment, you must understand one thing. The terroir is stronger than you. So, technique is interesting uh, when you miss something in the grapes. But when you have everything in the grapes, yes, you can follow the grapes. I mean, in the past, uh, cool maceration for one or two weeks, uh, punching a lot of the, the grapes for like three or four times per day. Uh, well, natural yeast from the beginning. Sometimes uh, I had some enzyme or thing like this to have a better extraction because we we really missing in the 70s and the, in the 80s big wine, nice color, and everybody focus on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's then uh, you finish the the fermenting, you go up the temperature to fix the the color on the tannin. I just do the opposite now. I mean, <laughs> no cold maceration. Did the, you learn those techniques from a particular place? Was it Bordeaux or was it from... Why, uh, why, why, it, was it more from Bordeaux? In fact, yeah, Delestage uh, was uh, from uh, Côte du Rhône, uh, pumping the juice over with what, oxygen what is was Bordeaux. Just, uh, tell us what Delestage is. Delestage is, uh, is uh, when you take all the juice from the, the vat, you're pumping all the juice, separate from the, the skin, and then you, you bring uh, fast all the juice on the... On the on the skin, it's a it's kind of extraction. Yeah, it's another kind of extraction than the pigeage. Naturally, uh, you're punching the the grapes down in the juice. In fact, it's uh, it's something different. That's come from yeah, Côte du Rhône, Chateauneuf du Pape, Vieux Telegraph. Uh, I've learned some things in South Africa. I've learned some. Okay, I, I pick different uh, techniques everywhere. I, of course, I cannot. Do exactly the same because it's Pinot Noir, because it's not Syrah, because it's not uh, Grenache, because it's not Cabernet, because it's not Merlot. But I try to understand why they do, they did this right. on that, and what what happens to the wine. So I goes like this, but I, like I told you, now nah, it's just the opposite. Right. I, I do near nothing. I mean. The grapes arrive. Right. Um, of course, we're sorting the, the grapes just to keep the best. With we won't throw away the, the dry berry, the damaged berry, uh, dead flower thing like this. And how often does that come about? I mean, it, it probably depends on the vintage. If there's mold or um, or, or any sort of um, you know hens and chickens or the uh, you know as far as the shot berries and all that kind of but stuff. In fact. We pick the grapes in the very small cases, about eight, ten kilograms. So it's near nothing. Okay. Lo- so you do most lo- of, of it of in the vineyard already. Right, right. A lot yeah. of my friends say to me, "Hey, you pick some strawberries; it's not going to be worse." Huh? I said, "Yeah." <laughs> so in, on very good vintage, like fifteen, you don't care, right? Because the, the grapes are so perfect, you don't care. But on tricky vintage, it's going to make a big, big difference. And the spirit is hand picking, so they they put the the grapes in these small cases, and we never uh, move the cases. I mean, the cases arrive like this in the, in the winery. So and everything you ha- there is all in the in the cases. Right. So of course a lot of air can goes. 
uh, no more than two layers of uh, grapes put together. So they don't smush each other. Exactly. Yeah. So I want I want perfect grapes when they arrive. We 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 put this on a small uh, truck. It's not truck. It's a small car. Right. To have the suspension to come and really to be really carefully about wow. these grapes. Yeah. Then we put on a shake table. So we're gonna just shake a little bit the grapes yeah. to take off, like I told you, the dead flower, the, the dry berry, thing like this. Right. Then it goes to sorting table. So here, I've got sometimes, I have just two person, but sometimes it's 10 person to take the um, secator and throw away all the damage, <coughs> berry, sorry, all uh, what is not interesting. And right. the, the most important, I always tell them, if you want to eat the grapes, you leave the grapes. If you don't want to eat, you throw away. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way. Yeah. Then after we destem or not, it depends the kind of soil I've got. It depends the vintage. That's why, for me, it's really important to stay on the on the winery and and tested all my grapes all the time to understand. Said I expect things, but it's never the same. Then you can cross uh, one thousand times in in the vineyards. It's never the same when you see all your grapes arrive at the right day right. and said wow. And you taste and you understand if it's bitter or not, if it's very ripe as you want or not. See the color of the stem. So we decided if it's wall clusters, if it's 100% this stem, how it's going. Then it Can it, I ask you, because that's a very hot topic right now in Burgundy, what makes you, if, what are the, what's the scenario in which you might de-stem and what's the scenario in which you might not? <laughs> or does it feel? <coughs> no, but I... <laughs> Some one person in uh, in Oregon asking me about uh, wall clusters, and uh, she was really interested by wall clusters. At, at the end, I, s I tell her, "Okay, I can g I can tell you what happens to my grapes, but you know your grapes better than mine." Uh, right. So, it's it's it, you must feel this. If you are not sure, this time. Okay. It's it's really something special. The the wall clusters. After that, to be to compare, it's like you know the fish and the, and the meat now the new cooking. I mean low temperature for a long time. Right. So of course the cinetic um, temperature fermenting of the wall clusters is completely different than this stem because it's a low fermenting inside the berry, so the temperature is lower. So yeah, and uh, when you destem, in fact, uh, most of the time the fermenting is more fast, and the temperature goes higher. Yeah. So it's not the same kind of uh, of fermenting, but it's uh, after that. So yes, the the cinetic fermenting is not the same. And uh, for some, after that, I understood. Uh, now I've got a new, I'm building a new winery, and I'm really happy with. Uh, I've got many techniques. I've got some AC. I've got, but I'm not using. I mean, I use if I need. Right. And more than put uh, on computer, uh, everybody gonna fermenting at exactly at the same temperature. I understand, I've got some terroir, need the hot, right. the warm temperature. I've got some other terroir, prefer to be uh, cold temperature. So that's why there is some more enjoy the wall clusters and some other more enjoy the distem uh, process. And how did, I mean, did it take you, how many years did it take you to, to kind of figure that out? And I, I mean, you know, and, and, and you're still learning, I would imagine, right? And, right. and, and right. so, you know, I know you, do you ever say, hey, well, next year I'm going to treat this a little differently or, or are you saying that constantly? That's the trouble. I mean, uh, like, uh, well, not like a chef, a chef can, if him redo him, it him, right him, away. Yeah. Yeah. He can do it again right. or next day. Uh, okay. We have to we wait one year. 
if we made a mistake right. to, to start something And then different. there's a lot of work in between that might change right. it as right. well. It's right. a moving target. But to be honest, after that, I produce right now 30 different wines. So you learn very quickly. At the beginning when I started, uh, I was 20 different wine. Yeah. So in 10 years, more than 200 wine made. Yeah. So what yeah. I learned from one, one uh, vineyards teach me also for one other. And yeah. of course, you can imagine there is some kind of family of, uh, of uh, terroir. Something that might remind you of a situation that you saw already, and um, and do you t so do you take notes on that, or do you just um, just remember it? Is it and, and that that feel uh, at the beginning? Of course, when you you you're young, uh, I'm start with the notes, but now I'm, I don't need the notes. Right. Okay. I know that, and uh, it's more my uh, my um, my feeling about things. Uh, I know where I'm going. Yeah, and then. Um, so so then then do you have a selection i mean do you do you decommission barrels occasionally or um you know if something isn't showing like it it it, it is you have the opportunity to take a premier crew barrel or something and and uh and put it into the village does that are, are you really kind of conscious of that or 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 it, it does do things just generally work where the, the, it, it it all works out Pretty yeah, well. no, don't worry about that. I mean, <laughs> no, no, I mean, uh, I, I mix my uh, my barrels. I mean, uh, I've got uh, one part of New York, so most of the time there is more New York for the Premier Cru, a little bit less uh, for the village and nothing for the Bourgogne. Which is common in Burgundy, Why? right? Yeah. Also, uh, I'm not interested by the wood tasting, but it's just because the New York, you have more oxygen. So when you have a wine with more tannin, you need more oxygen to for the combination uh, of the the tannin to be more softer. In fact, yeah. So after that, yes, uh, the first year, okay, it goes to the premier cru, but uh, I blend some new oak and some older older barrels, like um, four years old or three years old, thing like this. Right. Then after. Um, the year after, it could be it could be on on premier cru on village. We don't care about that. It's not the impact is not so much uh, important. It's it's important when it's young when it's new York. Then after, it's not so much important. To be honest, yes. After that, eight years old, ten years old, it goes to the to the Bourgogne. Yeah. Yeah, uh, in the barrels. So, and uh, can can we talk about your new winery that that your uh -huh. uh, so you, your family's winery was in Volnay, uh -huh. and then you were making um their that you were vinifying their grapes, and then you were also acquiring vineyards of your own, and uh and but you were always always making their wine, right? And uh and that winery was in in Volnay bon. in Bone now. And now and now it's bone, and right. now you're constructing a new one, right? Right, exactly. In yeah. fact, uh, I'm just dreaming all my life of uh, the winery I've got right now. Really? Uh, just because I'm started in a very small uh, winery it was uh, we had a we had a small estate at the beginning, so it was okay. But because I, we increase also the the the, the, the estate, the, the hectares we ha we we working, we have to change um, our winery. So I moved to. S one, two other, renting. And uh, again, uh, because of my trip, I saw uh, some um, winery in Italy. I saw some uh, some uh, right. vineyards, in uh, some winery in, uh, in Spain also. I'm in, I was inspired by. And I, create, uh, I tried to keep the tradition, yeah. but with a lot of modernity also in a, in a, in a winery. Now, uh, it's more easy to work. Yeah. 
So my, my, my joke is I'm going to start to make good wine now right. because of the winery. <laughs> but to be honest, yes, the new play is going to help me to be more precise and more, uh, more focused on uh, each, each terroir, each wine, really. Right, right. And it's, now I can do exactly what I want. Yeah, I, I'm not impacted by, I'm not uh, impacted by the the building. I mean, right. I'm starting on a very cold, uh, cold uh, cellar, so you have to aging longer, right? Because it it takes more time. Uh, I moved to a, a more warm cellar, so you have to shorting the 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 aging. Now I can do exactly what I want. Right. What I want, I mean, the best for the wine. Right. So that's going to be also different. Yeah, that's wonderful. Can I, can I have you talk about the last maybe eight or so vintages in Burgundy? Um, you know, in your we mentioned 2015 just happening perfectly. 2014 a little bit fresher, maybe a little bit higher acidity. Um, what what are your impressions of um, you know previous to that? So 2013. Or, or what you know? Do you have anything else that you want folks to kind of know about? I mean, you know, if you like more ripe wines, I, I want folks to understand that so that you know that at least they know what they're getting when you know it's a it's a less ripe vintage, etc. Um, because I think that fifteen will be an interesting vintage for people who like a little bit more ripe Pinot Noir to actually enter into Burgundy. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, to be honest, <coughs> um, the weather change. Definitely the weather change. My grandfather used to pick the grapes uh, in October. Yeah. My father started to pick the grapes uh, end of September, beginning of October. Uh, on all three, 2003, um, I goes to my grandfather, he's still alive at this moment, and I tell him, okay, we're going to pick the grapes in August. So yeah. what are what we going to do? Yeah. He told me, I never picked the grapes in, uh, in August, so I, I have no, no more experience than you. Right. So I remember my my uh, training in South Africa on on Chateau Neuf du Pape with very warm uh, harvest. So I saw that, and uh, to be honest, now in the seventies and in the eighties, yes, the weather maybe was more more rough, and uh, we not they not get beautiful maturity. After that, maybe they produce also a little bit too much wine. Mm, I mean, right. too too high yield. Right. Now we are at, at the opposite. I mean, because the weather is warmer and warmer, and it's true, yeah. uh, we pick the grapes earlier to keep the freshness. So the maturity of the grapes will be more fast um, each year. Right, right. And what are what are your some some of your favorite vintages that you're drinking right now? Um, is it in the in the two thousands or? Mm, well, it depends I, it, on the, the, well, the wine. I mean, right? Oui, oui. Uh, I love I love. Two uh, thousand will be more easy because you can continue to find some. Eleven right now. I love eleven. Oh uh, seven is perfect uh, right now. Oh two also uh, really great. Right. In the nineties, uh, you can start enjoy also. Uh, Ninety seven is very very uh, very nice. You have time for ninety nine. It's still very very young. Very young. And after that, in the 70s, 80s, I'm not a big fan, yeah. to be honest. Uh, you have to go down to 69, 66, uh, 61, amazing <laughs> vintage. I'm lucky to have some friends uh, who's got some very old uh, old bottle, and uh, they open us uh, sometime. Uh, Chateau Gillette in, uh, in Bordeaux. Uh, they make some Sauternes, and uh, it, when you taste that, 
like 30, uh, 37. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's a, a big, uh, you're learning a lot from history right. and for, from this kind of wine. So do you think, I mean, and I guess, you know, I want to ask you also about what other wines you admire around, you know, uh, just around the world. And I, I think that sometimes Burgundy winemakers tend to get very, um, you know, stuck in, there's so much to learn in Burgundy, um, but you've been learning from outside, right? And um, and actually, we do see now a lot more winemakers or the younger generation now uh, traveling all over the world mm. and making wine in the Southern Hemisphere. You know, what, where, what, what do you taste that kind of you find that's interesting? You know, sometimes to know what you have, you have to live. Yeah. And uh, when I was in, uh, in South Africa, uh, they spent time talking about my, uh, my area. I said, hey, come on, South, South, of the, South Africa is, uh, wow, is wonderful. Right. But when, when I'm back, I was back in Burgundy, I said, wow. I love my place. Right. <laughs> it's of course, it's, it's, and you understand better after why all the, the world dreaming about uh, Burgundy. But what, you know, when you're living in, sometimes you're not, you cannot understand. You have right. to leave and then you're back and yes, you understand. With Burgundy becoming so exclusive and, um, and the prices of vineyards going so, so high up, do you see that affecting um, the family-owned estates? I mean, sometimes with the um, inheritance laws, it's almost impossible to maintain uh, vineyards in the families. Mm. It, you know, is that something that, you know, how, how much is that affecting day-to-day -day life? It's going to change the, but it's going to change Burgundy for the future, definitely. Uh, like you said, huh, uh, the price of the land uh, goes up and goes up and goes up. So when you've got the heritage, I, I've got just right this. I mean, my grandparents are dead from three years ago now. And uh, my father has got some, but I've got some aunt and uncle also. I'm happy because they, they want to stay in family. So they right. said to me, okay, are you interested by... Uh, some some of, of them tell me, uh, are you interested by the, the land, the vineyards? said, yes, okay. And they, they, if they put uh, their vineyards on the market, they can definitely sell more expensive price right but right. they don't they doesn't want that they right. they wanted to keep this in the family so i'm lucky for that yeah but like you said um it's a uh, for and us you, you for didn't us, have to pay um because you didn't inherit it for say they they uh, sold uh, it to uh, you i have to pay huh? right. I, have the, okay. I have to pay the price of uh of their heritage huh? so no no it's uh, not okay. it's not it's a little bit cheaper then uh, if you free uh, free market, I mean, right, you put and right. uh, then people can enjoy uh, to put the price higher uh, they want. Right, the auction. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, no, I have to pay. Huh? It's not uh, it's not free. <laughs> huh? Okay. But uh, like you said, yes, uh, for us the vineyards is uh, our um, we work with. It's not an investment. Okay. Right. The trouble is, uh, like you said, because now it's more and more expensive. There is some estate they have to to. To send to sell one part of the the estate, one part of the vineyard of the vineyard to buy the the rest. Really, right? But it's life. I mean, it's it was always like this. But now, okay, we are not in Bordeaux. Bordeaux is very famous for that. Many Chinese people, many uh, some American people right. uh, buy right. buy. Uh, and, and now it's start to be big company like LVMH or thing like this. Sure. Of course, in 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 Burgundy, we are peasant. Right. So maybe that's why I'm more close to Texas. Also, I'm, yeah. I love this <laughs> this uh, this state. Uh, it's it's gonna take time, but you know we saw this uh, already for one or two very nice estate. 
they sell it very expensive price and uh, of course for the future of burgundy it's going to change yeah and then and but but there is really folks are trying to avoid international investment and keeping it with with local um you know local folks and they're offering but but it's but i guess what you're saying is you can't you can't avoid that so we will see international more international right, investment right, through time right. yeah when it's possible to 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 transmit it's okay but uh, if no one wants to buy at one moment uh, in in the family i mean uh, right. or in in your neighbor or thing like this of course there is some uh, People from uh, out of uh, France gonna invest it in the uh, in the uh, in the terroir in the in the vineyards. Huge thanks to Nicolas Rossignol and for the wonderful wines and coming into the co-op studios and to David Smith for setting everything up. Another Bottle Down is a production of KOOP in Austin, Texas and the Illuminated Bottle. Uh, my name is Mark Rayshap. We had a great time here and uh, make sure to like and follow us on social media and to subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes store or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss a beat. <laughs>